Good evening, and welcome to the Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Tonight's a tale of love, lawnmowers, and love. Zorbo's Insatiable Hunger was originally released October 20th, 2020, and is read to you by Sean Brodeur, with additional voices by Jen Kirk and Nikolai Shevchik, with musical backing by Kevin McLeod and Petr Merdian. This episode can be listened to on its own, but it is a direct sequel to last episode's story, My Father Built Robots in the 80s. If you never want to miss a tale in this interconnected universe of spooky stories, all you need to do is to remember that new episodes of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams come out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. With all that out of the way, pop in your headphones, lie down in bed, and try not to think about what the previous owner of the house might have left in the garden shed. The first time I met him, he was hiding beneath a greasy bed sheet in the tool shed. The landlord was giving us our final walk through the house. The whole morning was a tragic affair. Each moment that we spent going through our new home was another bitter lesson in compromise. When we first arrived at the house, there was a vagrant who refused to leave the front porch, and the whole kitchen smelled of some sort of ancient grease fire and all the rooms just seemed smaller than before. This wasn't our dream house, and it wasn't our dream neighborhood, but we were two newlyweds trying to start a new life during a recession. Living together in the bad part of town was better than living in Jen's father's garage. We were going to make it work on our own. It was going to be Jen and me against the world. But we weren't alone. The first time I met him, he was hiding beneath a greasy bed sheet in the tool shed. He was sitting in the center of that musty room, hidden beneath the dirty cloth, gently worrying. What's that? I asked. That's, uh... The landlord searched for words. That's a lawnmower. The man had been detached from the entire house tour. He just waved us through the rooms and then stood instead quietly in the hallway. But my question visibly flustered him. The previous tenant left it here, the landlord said, gently touching the covered object before nervously adjusting his glasses. If you don't want it, I can have it taken away. A free lawnmower? Why wouldn't we want that? Jen asked. The landlord didn't answer. He just looked at the object beneath the cloth, his eyes trudging through the memories that made them glimmer. Is there something wrong with it? I asked. No, he said. No, it works perfectly fine, it's just... My father built robots in the 80s, used to work for the military, but he also indulged in little pet projects. This lawnmower was the last thing he worked on before he passed. My condolences, Jen said. Maybe you want to take the lawnmower with you? I live in a city, don't have a lawn. The landlord pushed back his tears and smiled. If you want Zorbo, you can keep him. Zorbo? I asked. As if he knew we were talking about him, the object beneath the cloth let out a series of gentle beeps. The landlord reached out for words but couldn't find any. Instead, he just pulled back the cloth and revealed the lawnmower to us. Two crimson flashlights circled around the room like frenzied insects, desperately searching for something among the tools on the walls. When they couldn't find it, the red light focused on my face. The lawnmower stared at me the irises of its bright eyes adjusting with mechanical precision. This is Zorbo, the landlord said. He mows the lawn, but he also... Beautiful lawnmower! Zorbo's square glass jaw lit up in a mimicry of speech. He also speaks. Zorbo mows the lawn like a champ, even doubles as a vacuum, but he also speaks. Beautiful lawnmower! The robot repeated. Love is all that matters! Looks like Zorbo is a romantic, Jen said. We locked eyes and got into a quick wordless argument. 
I did not like the robot. Something about those lifeless eyes made me feel quintessentially unsafe. But Jen made a good point. We couldn't afford to give up a free lawnmower. Before the ink had dried on our lease, our little family grew. Now we weren't alone. Now we had Zorbo. The lawn was overgrown before we even moved in, but I couldn't bring myself to go back to that tool shed. There was something about the lifeless whirring in the machine's chest. Something about the frantic eyes and the monotone beeps that made my hair stand up on the back of my neck. Somewhere deep inside, I knew the lawnmower was dangerous. But after a week of Jen's gentle comments about the lawn looking like a jungle, I pushed myself past that fear. The grass wasn't going to mow itself. Zorbo greeted me with a call of, Beautiful lawnmower! as soon as I ripped off the bedcloth that he was hidden beneath. Getting the robot out of the tool shed was easier than anticipated. It was as if the machine was helping me when I tried to maneuver it out the door, as if Zorbo was excited to be getting out from beneath that dirty cloth. Love is all that matters! The lawnmower yelled as I pushed up towards the glass, and then, as if its opinion on the importance of love was a war cry, it whirred to action. Zorbo tore through the grass like a silent katana, leaving nothing in his trail but a precisely cut lawn. I've mowed a lot of grass in my day, but working with Zorbo was a completely foreign experience. The machine moved almost independently of my input. It was as if the only reason why I was standing in front of the house was to keep Zorbo company while he fed. Nice mower you got there! I heard when Zorbo was just about done raising any strand of grass that reached above two inches. Leaning on my fence, puffing on a hand-rolled cigarette, was one of the wandering teens that roamed the neighborhood. How much did you, uh, did you give for it? Looks like something out of the future, man! Came with the house, I replied. There was a look in his eye that matched the hot ember of a cigarette. So you gave nothing for it? He said, sending a puff of smoke reaching through my property. Love is all that matters! The lawnmower groaned as it spun towards the intruder. The machine was silent as a mouse, but deep inside of its innards, sharp knives spun with calculated force. The handles of the lawnmower vibrated with an eagerness to consume. Zorbo's sudden turn made the teen jump back with fright. Hell, it made me take a step back, but soon enough the youth was leaning back on the fence. He took a couple more puffs from his cigarette, mumbled something about my lawnmower, and then walked off into the street with theatrical swagger. Beautiful lawnmower! Zorbo whispered as I put him away in the tool shed. His flashlight eyes still followed me after I draped the blanket over him, but by the time I was back in the house, the strange machine was out of my head. The more mundane problems of existence started to seep in. Our new life was harder than anticipated. The cracked asphalt outside our home ensured that every morning commute started with frantic tremors. Our new neighbors cut the calm of every night with howling arguments, and that chain-smoking street kid kept on coming around the house. Whenever I looked out the window, I saw him. He would just lean on our fence, puff his cigarette, and stare at the house as if it had done something to him. The teen was a discomforting nuisance, but the worst part of our newlywed life was the exhaustion. Every morning was an exercise of trying to properly wake up before the frantic pothole shaking of the car, and then we spent most of the day separated through work. By the time we were both back home, we were just two tired corpses who happened to be in love. Too tired to cook, we'd usually just microwave a pizza, 
take turns drifting off to something streamable and then go to bed just to repeat the whole cycle again. The rut was real and exhausting, but at least we had each other. On the days we didn't immediately lose consciousness, we'd lie in bed and talk. We'd compare burnout symptoms, we'd worry about money, we'd lament the state of the world, but sometimes, when the night was free of loud arguments or screeching breaks, we'd just chat. We'd just chat about nothing in particular and the outside world would just disappear. We'd lie there and enjoy each other's company, just me and Jen and no one else. But by the time the sun rose, the world would continue rushing back to the bedroom. Coffee had to be brewed. Bosses had to be appeased. Lawns had to be mowed. When Jen's birthday rolled around, her father got us one of those porch cameras. He wasn't a fan of the neighborhood, but doing his best to be supportive of our new life. This way, you'll be safe if someone tries breaking in. And you could also get packages delivered while you're at work he said when she unwrapped the present. Later that night, he took me aside, slipped me some money and suggested that his daughter might really appreciate a decent coffee maker. I didn't argue with the man. Love is the most important thing. She mumbled as she drifted off to sleep that night. I was scarcely awake, but hearing the words of the robot coming out of my wife's mouth tensed me up. As busy as my life was, the thoughts of the strange lawnmower still haunted my quiet moments. For a split second, I thought I saw a flash of red coming from the tool shed, but I pushed that thought aside. There were more pressing issues to worry about than Zorbo. The delivery came in at 2.17 p.m. I was alerted with a series of beeps from my phone that I forgot to mute. I was in the middle of an all-staff meeting, one of those sit-downs that is mandatory to attend but isn't difficult to sneak out of. Knowing that there was a brand new coffee maker waiting for me at home seemed like a nice prospect to get me through the meeting, but after a couple of minutes I felt my phone vibrate again. Another notification. There was someone on my porch. I hid my phone beneath the table and tapped away a low battery warning. I was looking at a patchy rendition of my front porch. The coffee maker package was right outside my door, but behind it there was a cloud of smoke. A familiar set of angry eyes was studying my wife's birthday gift. The teen picked up my package, started to speed walk down my lawn, but then he froze. Another low battery warning. When I tapped it away, the teen was still standing in the middle of my lawn. He was facing the tool shed, surrounded by a fresh cloud of tobacco. Two rays of red cut through the smoke. My screen went dark. The phone was out of juice. I excused myself from the meeting and sped back home. The words beautiful lawnmower thundered through my heart as I drove. Your robot ate my shoe, the teen yelled as he slammed on the window of my car. As soon as I got out, he was squaring off against me, shoeless, as if we were about to get into a fight. I was walking down the street, minding my own business, and then your freaky robot comes along and eats my shoe. Zorba was sitting patiently on the freshly cut lawn, his eyes dark and dead. My lawnmower did what? I asked, nodding to the dormant technology. He was screaming about love and lawnmowers just, just a minute ago, I, I, I swear! The kid said. I was just walking down the street and the thing jumped on me! Ate my shoe! Gotta pay damages, man! The package was back on my doorstep, but it was visibly dented. Hey, I didn't steal shit! You can't prove anything! The teen yelled in another cloud of smoke. 
I was just walking down the street, and then your robot attacked. We have a camera, I said. It seemed like the kid was about to take a swing at me, but as soon as his angry eyes noticed the lens on the porch, he took a step back. Your robot still ate my shoe, man. And it ain't right. Someone's gotta pay. The kid said. Get out of here, I said, summoning my inner dad. Get out of here, or I'll call the cops. For a split second, it looked like the teen was going to burst out laughing, but instead he just smirked. You'll regret this, he said. When Jen came home, we spent most of the evening trying to make the coffee maker work, but all we managed to do was to make it hiss and leak. Whatever fall the package took was terminal. With the prospect of spending the coming weeks calling around warranty support, we opened a bottle of wine. When it ran dry, we opened up another one. We didn't talk much about Zorbo. I told Jen that he had somehow gotten out of the tool shed and that the kid said the robot attacked him, but I didn't press the subject further. We were both so horribly tired, it wasn't the time to talk about a possibly sentient machine that lived in our home. It was time to drink and, and hold each other and whisper promises of things getting better in the future. And that's exactly what we did. Yet the thought of those crimson eyes refused to leave me. Even after we made drunk in love, the lawnmower was in the back of my head. Zorbo wasn't just a machine, there was something inside of his metal body that had want. There was something inside of him that was hungry. I woke up to a series of steady long beeps. With my head still filled with wine and sleep, it took me a second to figure out where the noise was coming from. Jen's phone. It was vibrating and beeping on the dresser. I got to my feet and shut it off. Before I reached the dresser, the phone had run out of battery. I stood in the middle of the room, groggy, trying to make sense of the world. Jen had both of her feet out beneath the blanket and was gently drooling on her pillow. In the pale light of moon, she looked like a sloppy Venus. A quiet ember of joy burnt in the pit of my stomach. For a second, I was overwhelmed with how lucky I was to have her in my life, but then something else tugged at my attention. A cabinet closed in the hallway. The beeps. I recognized the beeps from the staff meeting. Someone was walking up the stairs. Jen! I hissed. Jen, wake up, there's someone in the- The door burst open. The cloudy sleepiness had seeped out of the room and was replaced with a scent of stale tobacco. Reality turned jagged and sharp. There was a gun in my face. Where's the money? Give me the money and I won't shoot anyone! He yelled as he shoved me to the ground. In the back of my mind, I could hear Jen scream, but my entire universe was focused on the pistol. It was a purse gun, but its nozzle still loomed with death. There's no money, I said, hoping to get the barrel pointed away from me. The masked man pistol whipped me. A soft trickle of blood ran down my forehead. Bullshit, he yelled. You got robots? You got cameras? You have money. None of it is ours, I pleaded. We're broke. That's why we live here. It's because we're broke. His eyes bore into me. Fear and hatred and disgust burned in them like a garbage fire. I looked away. His shoes didn't match. Bullshit! He half mumbled, sounding less convinced of our wealth than before. You got money, and you're just, you're just hiding it, and you think I'm, I'm an idiot! You think I'm an idiot! 
Even in the dim moonlight, I could see the wheels turning behind his eyes. For a moment, it looked as if the boy would give up, as if he realized his mistake and would walk away from our house before causing irreparable damage. But an idea sent a furious jolt of energy through his body. I'll kill your wife, he yelled as he spun the pistol towards Jen. I'll kill your wife if you don't show me where you hide the money. There is no money. You are making a mistake. She was sat up in bed, visibly shaking, but keeping her voice calm. I promise you, we don't have anything. His hands started to shake. He wasn't convinced. He wasn't convinced, and he was going to shoot my wife to prove himself right. Okay. A voice from deep inside me spoke without my input. Okay. Yes. We lied to you. We have money. Where? He said, turning the weapon back on me. Where's the money? The tool shed. The words tumbled out of my mouth as memories of bright lights played behind my eyes. You keep the money hidden in the tool shed. I'll show you, just please, please, don't hurt my wife. Finding out that he was right all along gave the masked youth a burst of pep. He collected our phones with childlike glee, and when he threatened to kill us if we told anyone about his visit, I could hear him smile under the mask. At gunpoint, the kid forced me out of the house. I kept on hoping that somewhere along the way, the tool shed another part of the plan would manifest. But the only thing I could focus on was the gun pressed against my back. It was as if we had woken him up when we entered the tool shed. His flashlight eyes slowly crackled to life and worked away at the cloth covering his body like two rigid baby limbs. Beautiful lawnmower? Zorbo crackled. Where the hell is the money? The youth demanded, nervously eyeing the machine. I inched my way to the side, hoping to get the barrel of the pistol away from my spine. And then, when no better idea manifested itself, I said the truth. Look, there is no money. But you can have the lawnmower. Take it. I-I-I'm sure you can get a couple hundred bucks from it. The gun was back against my spine. I could feel the youth's shaking breath on the back of my neck. You want to mess with me? Oh yeah? I'll teach you to mess with me! A thud to the side of my head sent me clattering down to Zorbo. Beautiful lawnmower! Zorbo said. He sounded no different than before. But as I lay on the floor next to the robot, I could feel the gentle vibration of his metal shell. The knives in Zorbo's core were hungry. I'll shoot you, the teen said, his face reddened with the robot's spotlights. I'll shoot you right in the head and watch your brain splatter all over the wall. And then we'll see who's smart! Love is the most important thing, Zorbo said. But the teen had no mind for his catchphrases. He just kept the gun trained at me, his lips mouthing words of murder. Something behind those eyes was broken and it was making the kid's finger twitch. Yet as terrifying as the red face that loomed over me was, my scattered brain found the safe refuge in memories of Jen. The butterflies in my stomach when I first noticed her. The prom. The trip to the mountains. Our wedding. 
as I stared down the crimson eyes of death, all I could think about was my wife. Love is the most important thing. One of the red beams shifted. Zorbo's flashlight eyes reached out into the darkness beyond the shed and brought back a familiar face. Jen was creeping through the night with a kitchen knife. She lunged at the masked teen. Sharpening the knives was something we always put off for another weekend. With a sharp blade, she would have killed him, or at least provided him with enough pain to let us escape. But the dull steel we had in our kitchen pricked the skin, bent and broke as soon as it connected with the teen's collarbone. Within an instant, Jen was on the ground next to me. A trail of blood gathered around his neck, but the youth remained focused on us. His hands shook with explosive force. A fuse was burning in his eyes. Beautiful love! Zorbo's words were cut short by a gunshot. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! The youth yelled, high off of the power in his hands. The fire in his eyes raged. He was going to shoot again. He needed to shoot again. Mower! Zorbo said after a couple flickers of his eyes. The shot had ricocheted off of his grill and went traveling out into the night. The damage seemed purely cosmetic, but for a second the robot was shaken. Beautiful lawnmower! He said again, as if reassuring himself. Then his wheels started to spin. Before the youth managed to get another shot, Zorbo was already at his feet. Feeding. Like pebbles in a smoothie mixed with raw chicken and blood. That's what it sounded like. The tearing of fabric. The crushing of the bone. The ripping of flesh. The tool shed vibrated with a symphony dedicated to human fragility. Jen and me averted our eyes from the horror, but the sound would stay with us forever. The boy didn't scream long. After his legs were gone, he passed out from the pain. But Zorbo's feeding dragged on into eternity. Jen and me just sat there, praying that we wouldn't be next, hoping for a life that continued outside the shed. The blades kept on whirring, the bones kept on cracking, but eventually Zorbo finished his meal. Love is the most important thing, he said as his eyes slowly started to dim. I stared into those dying red lights, waiting for the robot to spring back to life and lunge at us. My arms, my legs, my entire body was ready to be thrown into that hungry metal maw just to let Jen escape. I was ready to die in Zorbo's razor-sharp teeth to let her live, but I didn't have to. The two of us just sat on the floor of the shed, covered in blood, an accessory to murder, watching the robot power down. Beautiful lawnmower. Zorbo whispered as the tool shed went dark. Love is the most important thing.
The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rall, Kuss, Bob Condor, Chicken Mixer, and Daniel Wengel. If you'd like to join these fine people in supporting the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash mikejlanger. And so concludes this episode of The Cabinet of Fever Dreams. Make sure to drop by next episode for another dose of terror.